Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome to Ambridge on the Couch, an in-depth look at the archers with me, Harriet Carmichael and Lucy Freeman. This week we have a special treat for you, an interview with Annette Badland. He plays horrid Hazel Woolley, the village's only female out-and-out baddie. But first, let's remind ourselves of what happened last week with Lucy's Week in Ambridge. Now, before we start, just to be clear, Jazza is not a slot machine, Jade is kind of a woman, and Tracy is not <laughs> Deborah Meaden. All right, just thought we needed to get that cleared up. Um, we began the week with Jazza, who was telling Tracy that Jimus had bought himself a pair of night vision binoculars. For watching wildlife and no other reason. <laughs> yes, that sounds reasonable. Anyway, Jazza used up Ambridge's entire stock of innuendo in one discussion about what pizza Tracy might like. So that's that. There's none left for me in the monologue. Um, Tracy, meanwhile, was pulling the graveyard shift. Not that there's any other kind at Gay Grables at the moment at work. Oliver sounds like a defeated man. Tracy apologised for using her phone during working hours, but by the sound of it, Oliver wouldn't have cared if she'd sat with a fag on shaving her legs at reception. <laughs> He's now thinking about offering dermal fillers in an attempt to draw in the punters. They've had to furlough the beautician, so it'll just be Kathy Perks with a pot of Philadelphia and a syringe. But you never know. Tracy tried to jolly Oliver along, but it was very odd as her phone had no silence option. So they kept being interrupted by Jazza asking Tracy when she was coming over to sit on the sofa and devour his cheesy eight inch. Anyway, the upshot of the discussion about gay grables was that Oliver realised that just because you have been married to a woman who ran a hotel very well did not mean that her skills and experience magically transferred to you on her death. It's not like a superpower or anything, Oliver. Give it up anyway. Flog it to Vince. The gables of meat. He'll have it filled with hen parties and chocolate willy modelling in a second and a half. Johnny's got a new motor. He was fiddling with his big end when Jazza popped up and said, you'll never guess who I'm shagging, not in a million years. And Johnny said, Tracy. And Jazza said, oh. Jazza described Tracy as sophisticated, which I suspect in Jazza's world means she takes her jeans completely off before she has sex. <laughs> Tom has put his foot down. Unfortunately, he put it down in the pot of yoghurt and a pile of invoices, but there we go. Master of his domain, the pillock. Natasha ignored him and announced her intention of going out with his ex-fiancée anyway. He told Cagney and Flaky that they were behaving like a pair of desperados, like Thelma and Louise. Like that was a bad thing. Tom, they had a better car than you and one of them shagged Brad Pitt. Admittedly, they went off a cliff at the end, but it's a toss-up between that and driving parsnips around for the rest of your life. Tom decided that if his wife was going to defy him like this, he was jolly well going to have to tell a policeman. 
<laughs> he couldn't find one, but he told Harrison instead, who wrote it all down in his Mr. Fussy, Mr. Men notebook. <laughs> Harassment cornered Cagney and told her that slave traffickers weren't nice people. <laughs> you see, it's this kind of specialist knowledge that us civilians just wouldn't know. That's why we should leave it to the police. Natasha went understandably berserk and Sausage Boy protested it wasn't really the police, it was Harrison. I think Sergeant Burns may have been onto something when he said the whole village completely ignores him. Lillian took Tony shopping and for some reason decided to talk to him as if she was his carer. Come on, let's pop your cardigan on. Cardigan, yes, we're going shopping. I like marmalade, said Tony. Having coerced him into wearing a pink jumper, Lillian announced that she woke on her 70th birthday and thought she was looking down a slippery slope to oblivion. Be honest, Lillian, every morning from age 40 onwards you've woken up staring down the barrel of an Alka-Seltzer and that's entirely due to the fact that it's your evenings which are the gin-soaked slope to oblivion. And talking of that, where is Alice? Anyway, it's Roy the racist's birthday and the young studs of the village were meeting for a socially distanced pint and a sing-along with Roy's National Front CD. Linda Snell has, MBE, has come up with a plan to please all the people of Ambridge. She said she was on the verge of something big and once she'd nipped back from the shepherd's hut, told Robert that it was a special secrety secret. Oh, she is back to normal. Then the echo rang, wanting to cover her member of the Borchester Empire swimming badge award. <laughs> Linda Snell, MBE, gave the reporter from the Borchester Echo short shrift, but unfortunately, the ever-publicity-hungry Susan was unable to resist the lure of a double-page spread entitled My Slavery Hell by Chair of Parish Council's Wife, accompanied with a picture of Susan in her green dress holding up a brick and looking angry. Rebecca, the journalist, cunningly waved a Prosecco cork under Susan's nose, and that was enough. <laughs> she got chapter and verse on Philip Moss, the parish council, the work on the church, and what Neil liked Susan to do with the guacamole on chilli night. Fortunately, just as Susan was about to demonstrate this with a sink plunger and two rubber bungs, Neil came home. And Rebecca cunningly tricked him into talking by saying, hello, Neil. Oh, they're devious, these journalists. <laughs> All Tony's friends and family are doing a video message for his birthday. All of his friends. All of them. So his family then, the people he sees every day. That'll be a lovely surprise. Peggy doesn't really do sentiment or love or warmth. You've always been a disappointment to me, Tony, and we never wanted you. However... You appear to have made it to 70, despite being a stubborn and miserable sod from birth. Happy birthday, dear. The end. How very good. It basically was just that, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm, I'm so hot from giggling. I'm going to have to open the door. Hot from... The I've other. made you hot. This is... I nearly had a dizzy spell. <laughs> I thought you were suggesting that I should slide into your DMs and start talking about making you hot, Harriet. <laughs> well, it was, as you said, it was a rather saucy monologue. <laughs> but then again, it wasn't as saucy as all the innuendo. <laughs> I sort of lost track when they were talking about <laughs> drinks and pizzas and fiery and yes. and that thing about Jazza sucking the breath out of the back of her yeah, throat. what the hell? <laughs> I mean, that wasn't just me. Surely that was deliberate, wasn't it? Oh, totally. And, well, you know, it's all that sort of stuffed crust and all that malarkey. <laughs> but then he he sort of, um, it was almost like he was doing it self-consciously. And then she <laughs> she doesn't really, she, I can't remember who somebody said it in the week. They said she doesn't really do double, um, 
double meanings. She just goes straight for the... So she just said, am I the best you've ever had? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't I any know. flirting. It was, it was like between her and Stephanie. Bloody hell. <laughs> Stephanie, Tracy and Jazza. Brilliant. Oh, God. <laughs> what was that? Rita, Sue and Bob too. That's what it would be like. <laughs> The thing is about the Tracy and Jazza is it's, I mean, it was, uh, you know, it's exactly as we predicted, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, and it's, um, and it'll go on until Valentine's Day, as yes, you said. and then it will be resolved. <laughs> Hoorah. Yeah, but there's more important things like Lillian <laughs> taking Tony shopping. That was funny. Her being his carer, it was just like that. But then it also sort of reminded me of my mum when, you know, not that she ever would take my dad shopping, but they're, but they're different personalities, mm. you know, like uh, someone who loves shopping and someone who just cannot fathom what <laughs> shopping is. <laughs> Why not just wear a patterned cardigan that you've been wearing for 40 years? <laughs> Why would you force this misery and upon you? Just like my dad, Tony wanted to look at the trains. <laughs> I thought that was really sweet. If if they if the scriptwriters infantilized women to the extent that they infantilized the men in the archers, there'd mm. be an outcry. I mean, that's Tony toy cars that he plays with the boys. He's got a train set. David's got a toy farm. Then when Peggy basically said, oh, we never wanted you, Tony, mm. you sort of thought, oh, well, Lillian has always mothered Tony. Mm. And maybe that's more of a deliberate thing than we thought. Yeah. Because clearly Pe Peggy doesn't give a toss <laughs> about Tony. <laughs> oh, no, he was a very unlikable baby. <laughs> well, clearly she never loved him. And Lillian has always been very maternal towards him. Yeah. So I thought it was quite sweet actually, because because they've all, they've all, they have quite often focused on the relationship between Lillian and Tony. Because Jennifer's almost like she's not related to either of them. No, I mean, you, if she's... presumably Mr. Newby has no idea that Jennifer <laughs> is a sister. <laughs> Tom is just so pathetic. Oh, but it was funny. But it but what it is is bringing out Natasha's. Yeah. excellent yeah. character I mean I'm now I'm so into Natasha and I just yeah. want more Natasha and the thing is because she didn't just squash Tom in one <laughs> tiny little sort of flick of her stiletto yeah I did like the note of alarm in Tom's voice when harassment said hang on I'll get my notebook and Tom <laughs> where's my notepad <laughs> and Tom's like oh shit this has all gone a bit you know I thought it was a chat what do you mean notebook but that, that is was... exactly what Harrisman was saying. Yes, but then actually it makes him sound a knob again, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> we liked it when he was ineffectual, because we don't have to live there and have a useless especially, as, especially as he started the conversation with me old mucker. Yeah. And then, right, come what? on, Jouty, rise, party. Socially distanced pint. <laughs> I was like, hang on, I'm really confused now. They're having a socially distanced pint, but Grey Gables is doing badly because it's yeah. not full. Oh, yeah. it's doing my head in. <laughs> what are the rules, please? <laughs> it, what are the rules? COVID 2021 in Ambridge. It is tier 19, as we've said, which means if you're Welsh, you can come and go. Well, you can come. <laughs> You can't go. No, you can go. You can, but no more can come. And uh, all old people lose their voice. That's happened a lot. Laryngitis is a symptom. And um, the pub is only got fat Paul in it. 
Bang yeah, the pub's packets. The pub's closed. I mean, we haven't heard from the bull for ages. Well, where are they having their pint then? Ah, uh, good, good thinking. Good thinking. Because you wouldn't say I'm going to his house for a pint. You say I'm going for his house to a, for a drink. No, it must be open. But it must be open. Yeah. Yeah. But how they're open and everyone else is closed, God knows. And then also, presumably, Kirsty would have been invited to Roy's birthday oh, yes, party, wouldn't she? Yes. So why would she have chosen instead to go hunting? <laughs> and then slightly awkward with Harrison when they finally meet up in the pub and he's like, right, you're booked. <laughs> oh, hang on. I haven't even ordered a drink yet. <laughs> but I think the mistake I made with uh, Natasha is because she's so kind of... She was all about makeup and high heels and yes. everything else. I thought she wasn't a woman's woman. Mm. I thought yeah. she was just, you know, that she'd sort of set her sights on top. Although, who in their right mind would set their sights on top? Oh, He's hardly aspirational, is he? Anyway, um, I thought she'd set her sights on the farm, actually, not Tom. But I think we were made to believe that, weren't mm. we? And then there was, yes, and then there was there was just lots of things that made us, like the credit card bill and all that, yeah. and you just thought, oh, she's just interested in shopping. Yeah. But actually, she puts, she really sticks up for her, for her mates, and she thinks about women, and she, yeah. She puts rocks her high heels. Yeah. 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 I know. Well, that's the thing. She's, she's, she's flipped, hasn't she, from yeah. being shallow yeah. to being a really warm hearted but feisty woman yeah and when she had a row with tom i was like this is she's she needs to have more rows yeah she was really good at it yeah and really put him in his place yeah but then then they made up which was which was quite sweet yeah well a bit annoying i could have done with her going on for a bit longer yeah yeah true she she could have done a bit more shouting because she just and then she was like oh we're right then and it it was all packed (laughs) up and i thought oh (laughs) and also it was a bit annoying that she had to organise that video with, um, Why? with Helen. Why? I know. Why? That, that was annoying, wasn't it? It's like, oh, God, you know, don't don't make it like that. Don't make it that the girls have to do the birthday video. Get that lazy ass Tom involved. Get him to do something that's not for himself for a change. I realised this Christmas that I have never had a Christmas card or a birthday card from a single straight man. I have only had them from my gay male friends, whether they're single or in a relationship, and my married friends. Yeah. But never, because it's like, I don't do that. That's a, diff- that's a social that's thing. That's a wife's that's job. not me. Mm. Yeah. I know. It's, and it makes me really annoyed. Like, I yeah. would never, I don't deal with, you know, but, you know, birthday presents and things for Rufus's family. That's his job. You know, mm. like, you look after your own family because you haven't got time to look after everyone. Yeah. And it's, I just think it's really patronising, isn't it? To but, put... but I mean, he, Tom didn't assu- ask her or assume that she would do that. She no, he just, didn't know anything about he it. Did, but it hadn't occurred to him that he might like to do something for his father's <laughs> 70th because he has a sister. So where there's a uterus, there's an organiser. That's, you know. Well, he was going to buy him a bucket, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> but then, it, but I mean, actually, my, I mean, my high of the highlights was Peggy's. <laughs> because <laughs> when I was listening to it I was thinking oh that's a bit harsh but I didn't sort of realize that it wasn't that it was supposed to be yes. harsh you know I just yeah, thought oh, that's we were Peggy. interpreting it as that yeah <laughs> when she just said 
he was he was aimless. <laughs> what a brilliant way to describe Tony. <laughs> and it's like he he wasn't her child. Like he was a child that had sort of wandered in by mistake, you know, like a stray. Well, we fed him a few times, and then well, after that, we just couldn't get rid of him. So we said, "Well, he keeps the mice down, so we'll keep him here." You know, bizarre. And then Natasha was like, "God, Peggy is such a bitch," (laughs) but she was really—you could tell she was like, "This is amazing." (laughs) I thought. I hope they. I'm glad that they kind of had the courage of. I, to I not like make it soppy. That they, yeah, that they yeah. that they let her be. Yeah, the sort of cantankerous old <laughs> bitch too. that she is, rather than make her all cozy and Jill Archer and whatever you do, I'll always love you. She's like, you've always been a disappointment, and you know. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Honestly, as the listeners, we were like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> sounds about right. <laughs> so if she had sort of gone, oh, little baby, you, yeah. it would have been so unbelievable. No. But then, but then with that sort of, duh, 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 what do we do now? It's like, well, why don't you just call her and get her to re-record it? <laughs> so say, this time, don't be a bitch. Have another go at it. Pretend it's someone you care about. <laughs> Pretend you're talking about Lillian. <laughs> or Hilda Ogden, even. Anyone. Yes. Just anyone that isn't Tony, basically. <laughs> I really, I really, really was brilliant. So, uh, unlike Susan and Neil, not having the intelligence to go, oh my God, it's a journalist. Oh yeah, and what did he tell? Oh yeah, we're all victims in this. Oh God. How, how many times have we seen this storyline? But the thing I loved was... I love those two. I absolutely love Neil and Susan. And the way they were bolstering each... When it started to dawn on them that possibly they may have made an enormous mistake. I don't think they did, did they? They kind of bolstered each other up, though. Because oh, Susan right, yeah. was going, it will probably be a good thing in the end. It will probably be all right. And Neil was going, Ugh, in that kind of non-committal, oh, Just shit, like that. way that he does. And, uh, yeah... So you could see it both crossed their minds at the same time and then they both kind of convinced each other through it that they hadn't done anything wrong. So when... Have you seen... There's a lovely Twitter thread, I think. Not a Twitter thread, a Twitter account, which is called um, Local People Looking Angry. Because, you know, you know, in local newspapers, if, you know, if somebody's, you know, school... Punk, angry school, resident. Yes, yes. Yeah. School, yes. school time... School run parking blocks my drive or, you know... <laughs> Yes. Uh, Morrison's has started to shut half an hour early or something like that. Yeah. And they have to hold up something stupid, usually a piece of paper that could be absolutely anything, and just scowl at it. And, the, and there's a group of people with their arms crossed behind them. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be that. It's going to be a massive picture of Tony going, I'm the victim, of Neil going, I'm the victim here. Oh, I know. With a pig in his overalls. <laughs> But that journalist got lucky because she was so thick. Yeah. And you're like, you don't deserve to work at that paper, love, because <laughs> couldn't you have just used your imagination to write something for your editor? Yeah. You know, or there are so many other people that live in this village. You know, just use the phone. Yeah. Someone will talk to you, and yeah. then you get your piece. You don't. You don't hang outside. Or just, just ten Elliot's seconds on the for... next door app or Facebook. <laughs> Either of those. Go onto a Facebook group, love. Yeah. There's loads of mad people and she was commenting. Like, and, then, and then this happened and this lady was horrible to me and that lady was horrible to me. And you think, oh, you 
Yeah, your career, you, you may have picked the wrong career here. <laughs> Plus, journalists just don't go out and talk to anybody anymore because there's no, you know, all the local papers have been con- sort of conglomerated into NewsQuest, which has got like four, it covers everywhere from here to the Orkneys. And, you know, there's like three journalists trying to cover the whole of Britain. So the idea of them schlepping round a village door knocking <laughs> well as you said they'd all they need to do is just google a picture of angry resident yeah stick it in the paper and you could write any old story under yes, it <laughs> absolutely a friend of a Which friend like... of susan carter said <laughs> sources close to neil carter da, da, da. yes no absolutely bonkers but it was very nice to hear linda um yeah. ripping her a new bottom hole i thought yeah yes yeah back old to old self yes yeah, I like that. But um, also having getting her vanity back. Yeah, yeah. That was really, I thought she did that beautifully when she suddenly said, I can't do it. And she suddenly sounded really, she went from being cocky Linda to suddenly panicking a bit. Mm, and being vulnerable About again. the photograph, yeah. Mm. And Robert's so lovely. I know. They're, yeah, they, yeah, they really are in our hearts, aren't they now? Mm. Yeah. Um, I know, but... Well, we're not supposed we're supposed to play Annette Badland now, but can we play Mr. Newby because he talked about this in his thing? Oh, please. Can we jump the script? Hold a mo- hold on a moment, caller, while I bring up the right button. Right. I'm going to press it now. This week has something that I don't get every week. A completely new character that I've never even heard of, let alone heard speak. Johnny. There are immediately various oblique references to grandparents, although interestingly not parents, here in Ambridge. So he's obviously Ambridge establishment, but seems to have a Yorkshire accent. He also appears to have mind control powers, because within seconds he's made Chazza sick up the entire story of his love life, all down his front. I I wish I could play poker against Chazza. So I've now found out that Grey Gables is a hotel and that Oliver owns it. Turns out he's lost somebody called Caroline, though. Was that his wife? Daughter? Dog? Natasha is in with a bullet at number one on my list of favourite characters. Yay! Another new character. Might be a long week for Mr Newby. Lillian, I know from Breakfast with Justin a few weeks ago, but Tony, I don't. The ITV show. (laughs) They both seem like lovely, wobbly old dears, though, which shouldn't be too taxing for me. Tony's turning 70 and is younger than Lillian, who is his sister, apparently. There's a huge kerfuffle about a shopping trip, which, after all the scandal and ribaldry of last week, is something of a relief, let me tell you. Listening to them talking about yellow and pink jumpers and getting old is making me feel like I've taken a couple of diazepam. (laughs) This is definitely more what I expected from the archers. Okay, I'm just going to come right out and say it. I think Linda is something of an institution around these parts, but she rubs me right up the wrong way. There must be some Mother Teresa-level good deeds in her past that you're all revelling in because she is completely insufferable. It doesn't come naturally to blow my own trumpet, for sure. (laughs) Oh, hang on. Now she's done a complete U-turn and doesn't want anybody to see her at all. I know I'm missing something important here, and I'm guessing it's part of why everybody seems to love her. Lindy, my dear, we've all had bad lockdown haircuts. It's fine. I've grown a massive hipster beard that my girlfriend has to pretend not to hate. We will all be fine come the summer. 
Ah, right. I've just found out what happened to Linda, and now she's being taken advantage of by the local paper, and now I feel bad. Presumably she's burned and disfigured. Man, I'm such an idiot. Those pesky writers, though, eh? Just when you think you've got something figured out, they pull the old switcheroo on you. Still, Lindy's nobody's fool. She's rumbled what's going on here and has mercilessly curb-stomped Rebecca for it. And all of a sudden, I love her. What a journey it's been. Linda has just bumped Natasha off the top of my list. It seems like the least I can do. Hang on just a second, though. Peggy is the mother, even if only reluctantly, of Tony, who's just turning 70, as is the Archers. So she must have been in it from the very beginning. Or at least very, very nearly. That's nuts! She's got to be well into her 90s by now, and still working, and still doing a bang-up job of it. It's actually a bit sobering, realising that. I mean, I knew the Archers was an institution, but that kind of brings it all home a bit. I'll tell you what, though, in at least one episode this week, I have recognised every single person without having to be prompted, and that's a first. It's also a sure sign that next week's shows will be full of people I've never heard of discussing storylines from the 80s, but I'll take it. My own personal lakey hill suddenly seems a little more climbable. Imagine how cross Lillian would be if she heard him describe her as a wobbly old deer. Whenever they do a poll about the favourite characters, Lillian and Jazza tend to win. Lillian because she is not a snob unlike her sister Jennifer. Uh, she's not a wet like uh, her brother Tony, who she was with. Um, she's funny. She's not snobbish. She's she's a sort of good time girl, but very very. Uh, Are we talking astute. about Lillian, darling? I, yes. I've lost. I've lost. The, I've lost the plot. I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm still feeling a bit hot and dizzy. <laughs> We're talking about my wobbly bits. Yes. Oh, good God. <laughs> None of that, thank you, darling. <laughs> but she Just put but another Lillian. salmon jumper on. <laughs> <laughs> but Lillian does have a wobbly voice, doesn't she? Oh, yeah. And actually, I was listening to Peggy the other day, and actually she's she's a little bit like Peggy sometimes. Yeah. Peggy has a bit of a wobble, doesn't she? Yeah. But I always thought Lillian's wobble was because she's always uh, moving about, isn't she, darling? And smoking. Oh. And smoking, there was a lot of a couple of years because they've stopped her smoking now. Oh, yeah. they? She never talks about it, but every now and again you'd hear <sighs> before where she, you know, lit up. Um, yes, Caroline was Oliver's wife, and she died very sadly about two, three years ago, maybe. And um, she originally joined the series as Caroline Bone. I think she had a fling with Brian Aldridge, which mm. meant that Jennifer never liked her. Um, but Mr. Newbie probably doesn't even know who Jennifer is, so... No, that's true, he doesn't know, because, yeah, we said he hasn't met her yet. Um, and Johnny, the one with the Yorkshire accent, oof. Do you want to do And no Johnny? hair. <laughs> 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 What's happened to his hair? Do we know? What's the latest He's given up, he's just hair? shaved his head. John Archer was the dearly beloved son, elder son, of Pat and Tony, and he was the older brother to Tom and Helen, and he was killed when a tractor flipped over on top of him. And Tony found him uh, and he died very, very soon after. Mm. And it was really distressing. Really awful. Yeah, it was. And the whole family, the archer, that, the Bridge Farm archers have never really recovered from John's death. Well, they, they don't talk about him much. 
they they don't need to because he's just there all the time. Mm. Tom has never Tom's never got over not being John because he knows John was the oh. eldest son and he sort of feels like he should. Oh, I'd never thought about that. Helen's uh, very, um, not very, she's a bit psychologically wobbly because she had this huge trauma growing up and Pat isn't the warmest and Pat sort of went into a she depression. Peggy. And, <laughs> and withdrew, so... Well, they say that you marry your mother, don't they? Oh, God. Um, John, before he died... He was a philanderer, wasn't he? Kylie wasn't was he? a horribin, wasn't she? Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. And jo- and didn't didn't um, John used to sleep around? Or Oh, no, no, he, he went out with Kylie and they disapproved, didn't they? Yes, yeah, because he'd been going out with Hayley before and he dumped Hayley, oh, didn't he? Oh, right, OK. And then he went out with Kylie. And Kylie was... Um, she was another Cadbury's caramel rabbit, wasn't she, with that sort of... <laughs> I mean, I don't really remember. I think I was only very young. <laughs> no, shut up. No, I remember. And, um, yeah, so uh, she was very sexy and very... She was proper sort of Thomas Hardy, busty peasant girl. That's how she was sort of portrayed. And um, he used to shag her in a caravan. It was all very glamorous. And, um, anyway, uh, it took. And uh, she got pregnant and uh, then she had Johnny. And she, when John died, she left and she went off to Leeds to bring Johnny up with uh, Eamon, her new partner, who Johnny thinks of as his dad. Um, and then Johnny came back a few years ago and said, oh, I am a bit thick and I'd like to learn about farming. And Tony said, hooray, I am a bit thick too. Come and learn with me. So, um, uh, so did the, did, the was, was, was Johnny ever in it before he re-entered no. as Johnny? No. So he was just sort of, there was a baby somewhere. Yes, but yeah. But did they, I can't really remember. No, because did... Kylie got in touch and said, I want to, I want to restart our family, yeah, family that's link right. sort of thing. Yeah, that's right. Bit late, but yeah. well, I suppose better late than never. Yeah. And he's a good addition to the Archers. He he's is. our Johnny. I but don't then... know where he got Tracy. He says, how could, how did you know it was Tracy? And he said, because you're always out there arguing. I thought, blimey, that's a negative view of relationships. Also, did I miss it? Or has he been seeing Jade as well? Yes, I think Jade was his sort of on. Cause... Yeah, I thought he said that. And then when Jazza yeah. basically said, oh, Jade's texting me again, yeah. I thought Johnny was going to flip out. And he was like, oh, all right, well, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, so, well, it's because just Jade is the local... I think well, it I was wait. New Year's Eve because Jazza was chasing Jade on New Year's Eve. Jazza was intending to go after Jade on New Year's Eve and then she got off with Johnny instead, I think. Ah, right. Something like that. Uh... I'd quite like Jade to come into the show, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I can't cope with any more. The amount of <laughs> simmering sexual tension between Tracy and Steph. Bloody hell. I just... No also, more we never fatal. I can't from, um... do with it. We never hear from, what's that pig girl called? Pig oh, girl. Hannah. Hannah, that's right. Yeah, wouldn't she a bit like that? I can't remember. She's a bit like, I can't remember. She was, I can't remember her voice now, actually. Oh, but uh, Aggressive never... was the word yeah. for Hannah. <laughs> yeah. She thought that she we... could wrestle a pig to the ground. Oh, she had that thing with Tom. She did. Didn't she? Yeah. And then was like, no, it's fine, it's fine. Yeah. We're not in love with each other. Yeah. And, oh, that's right. And then Tom went and got married. Yeah. God. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we never hear from her anymore, but she's still around, presumably. Well, she's there every time we want to upset Neil because she starts being horrible to Neil. Yeah. And, yeah. and telling on him to Justin. Yeah. But they're just going to forget about her then. I thought she was really good, actually. Oh, she'll she comes come back. back. As, soon yeah. as, as soon as 
Neil needs to get fired or we need, to, we need a bit of an overhaul at, at Barrow. Should well, he might back. well get fired after this newspaper article. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, he was much of a victim as anyone. <laughs> Start getting measured up for your new overalls. Because you're not going to be wearing your manager's suit. For... <laughs> Where's my notepad? <laughs> I'd quite like to listen to that on a loop. Where's my notepad? I can't do it, but... I also loved I'll it. Just when... get me up. <laughs> it was just as he said. It was just pure Mister Men. It was like, do you really need a notepad? I mean, a presumably you know where Kirsty's address is, so yeah. you don't need to write yes. it down. <laughs> you know her name is Kirsty Miller. You don't need it spelled out. What are you writing in your notepad, Harrison? He's colouring it in. Bless him. Oh, um, but now we have our special guest, don't we? Yay! Because you are a Birmingham lady, aren't you? I am, I'm a Brummie. Edgebaston. <laughs> Edgebaston, yeah. Well, Small East. I was born in Small East and then we moved to uh, Edgebaston when I was about two. I, I don't know if you were aware, I've just been in the Brummie Iliad. Yes, Roderick Smith um, adapted the Iliad and it's all Midlands actors. Wow. So that, yeah. As listeners, we always get a bit confused between when people on the Archers talk about going, they say we're going to Borchester, then they say we're going to Felpersham, and then they say we're going to Birmingham. And you know it's really serious <laughs> when they go to Birmingham. <laughs> yes, they don't go to Birmingham very often. No, do they, they don't, don't take it lightly. <laughs> no. Well, it's dangerous country. You don't know what you're going to encounter on the way. <laughs> and then actually, when you're in Birmingham, my goodness, the boring. It's yeah. got a ball ring. How did you so, feel when you found out that you'd got the part of Hazel? <laughs> I was very, very pleased. I was very pleased. Is it more fun playing a baddie than... Because she really is an out-and-out Cruella de Vil kind of <laughs> boo hiss, isn't she? Yes, she is. That's... It is. It's something to be relished, really. And you do go inside, you're going, ooh, ouch. <laughs> you know, your own personality's going, oh, dear, no, really. Oh, well, just enjoy it, go with it. <laughs> Is it cathartic? Can you get all your, if you've had a bad day, you can just pour it all into Hazel and, because. Uh, all those people who've, who've done you wrong through <laughs> the coffee morning or the. <laughs> got in your way on the train and yes all the spite um does she have yeah, any I... saving graces hazel i was trying to think if there was one positive thing about her character <laughs> and apart from the fact that she hasn't actually burned down an orphanage i couldn't think of one really <laughs> no i can't either i can't i always think though i always try and uh imagine where these feelings come from because we're none of us all one color and uh, whether being adopted, being mm. not felt to be loved or just never quite fitting in. So you've got to make an impression. You've got to grab what you want. You know, you, you might go another way with that. But then mm. that, I'm thinking about why she might be like she is, that she's got to impress and she's got to do the best and she's got to have it all. And, mm. um and where those feelings come from within her. So I suppose I don't allow full reign of my venom, my own <laughs> venom. <laughs> uh, 
uh, I try and find the other bits of her as well. I, I try and find the triggers for why she is being as she is. To be overwhelmed and not yeah. feel correct there is, is hard and go, look, Yabu sucks to you, I can do this. And I've got a big car and I wear high heels and I've got clunky <laughs> jewellery and <laughs> get out of my way. <laughs> it said, I was just looking at the Archer's website and it on, it's very scathing. Even the website doesn't like her. It says, oh. um, it says Hazel Woolley, uh, Korea, claims to be something in film. <laughs> it doesn't even say is something in film. What do you think she does in reality? When someone says they claim to be something in film, what in reality do they end up doing? She's a producer. Okay. She is. Yeah. <laughs> I won't have anything said against her. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I might write a letter to the BBC. I've that changed immediately. <laughs> I kind of imagine she'd be an angel investor that just goes round. I think she is. I think, well, she's clearly got property and she's mm. got, you know, she's... I One of those people that does it for the parties so that they can <laughs> show people that they've got Tom Cruise's phone number in their phone. Yeah, she's like obviously got acumen. She's not, she's not failing. If, because you, you have now been in three BBC institutions, Doctor Who, The Archers and EastEnders. I know, aren't I lucky? Which, well, I don't think luck comes into it, really. Um, but it, they've all got very, very fierce fan bases, as all these, you know, shows that are sort of, um, well, flagship shows all have. Do you, how are, what are your fans like? Do they switch between, do you, is there a crossover between Doctor Who fans and the Archers and EastEnders in any way? Where, who, who are your fans and how do they, how do they contact you um, and behave to you? Yes, um... They are different. They are different fan bases. All three of the characters haven't been pleasant, so they all enjoy her unpleasantness. <laughs> um, whoever she is, be it Aunt Babe or Margaret Blaine or yeah. Hazel. Um, EastEnders was the strangest because people, in everything else, people know I'm an actress, but EastEnders, the soaps are very different and people think you are your character. Right. You know, a lot of, a lot of your fans think you are, babe, um, which is troubling. It really <laughs> if you're is. Not, if you're not a nice person. Um, <laughs> it's troubling as well that people are bonkers enough to think that, to be honest, isn't it? <laughs> it is worrying. <laughs> but I can see that if you're in their living room most nights of the week and it's so important to them. Yeah. You know, it really is... You are part of the family, you know, you're part of that thing in the room, you know, those the, your distant cousins or something. And for the most part, they enjoy it. They relish um, the naughtiness and the various, you know, Margaret Blaine and her <laughs> flatulence as well as her <laughs> ability to shake her booty and, um, <laughs> and go off in the TARDIS with the doctor. Um you know, and she had glorious things to say, like dinner in bondage works for me, <laughs> uh, which I I think probably Hazel would appreciate. Yes, but there was, <laughs> so was something there was something pathetic in the true sense of the word about Margaret Blaine, wasn't there? Yes, this, this thing possessed yes, and low, yes, and alone and you know displaced. Yeah, alone um, and thanked the doctor at the end when mm. she turned into a was being turned into a little egg with a rasta hairdo. <laughs> 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 it 
was thankful and grateful and um and also she was the first person who pointed out to the doctor his fault she was the first person to confront the doctor with his less than you know immaculate history yeah um so that was terrific too to be able to do that um so and apart from Gwen Danbury why do you think that you, that every time they create an evil woman, they think, where's Annette? Bring her forth. <laughs> I hope it's because, I, as I said earlier, I don't just go for the one strand of the personality. Mm. I try and find the other colours. Um, and I think that's important uh, in storytelling and in a reflection of, of how we are as human beings. It would be quite interesting for us as listeners to kind of hear a bit more about Hazel because she kind of uh, zooms in with a screech of brakes and a clomp of heels, wreaks <laughs> yeah. havoc and then sobs off again. And we're like, oh, yeah. she's, it's like being struck by lightning. And then she just disappears. And then we don't I'm hear anything she, from her for years. I'm hoping she's just biding her time and will take over <laughs> eventually. Well, we were... Uh, my uh, co-presenter Harriet and I were t- were talking about this on last week's show, and we said she will reappear as soon as Peggy. Um, oh yes, yeah, shuffles well, I hope off. So. Then yeah, because then there'll be a will. She'll start, <laughs> you know, contesting everything left, right, and centre. She'll try and claim that she owns St Stephen's or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I do hope so. <laughs> <laughs> now returning to the archers for the for final yes. question. If you could, I know that you're an intermittent listener. If you could give therapy to one of the characters, who do you think needs therapy? And what would you say to them? What well, advice would you give? Few. There's a fair few that need <laughs> the heads. Exactly. I think the whole Linda village Snell, needs sectioning. Linda Snell, was my, <laughs> Linda Snell was my first thought. Right. And then, and then Peggy, but that was Hazel wanting to be vindictive. <laughs> That was Hazel thinking, oh, yes, I'll get her on the couch and torture her. Um, Will. Ah. I'd like to help Will Grundy. A bit of cognitive therapy wouldn't go amiss there, I think. Mm. I feel badly for him and I want to help him. Uh, He's in a hard place. His personality doesn't allow him to have joy i think it's rare for him to find joy mm. and uh and i worry about will <laughs> genuinely i do uh, it's uh you know the work ethic is is strong he's had huge heartbreak in his life and um i would like to encourage him to to have pleasure in his life and 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 to and to throw off the shackles because I feel he's very held and um, you know him and Ed and uh, but that's been all his life really that's been since he was a boy Um, and I would just like him to have some ease in life I Mm. I find his his life um, hard (laughs) Mm. I mean it's not driven it's just closed it's tight it's doing the right thing and uh, and I just feel he he hasn't the pleasure in his life that he should. Something we always find ourselves saying about Will as listeners is that uh, 
like the last scene on a Friday is Will going off like a rocket at somebody, you yeah. know, really being unnecessarily nasty, overly aggressive, shouting, threatening, da da da. Next scene on a Monday, Will apologizes to the person <laughs> that he's, but you know, every it's like clockwork every time. And you sort of think, just don't t- try and imagine, try and project yourself forward and imagining yourself apologizing to this person in 48 hours. So why just not skip that bit and don't do it now? But he can't but, seem to, he gets in his own no. way all the time. Yeah. And don't you think that often comes from inadequacy, mm. fear mm. or inadequacy? And you've no other way of expressing how you feel and it yeah. comes out as anger. Yeah. And then, of course, you have to say, oh, I'm sorry, that's not really, because it's not really what he'd want to be doing no but he as you say he just can't get over himself he can't can't get through that barrier of not being able to put it in the right way or and quite honest you know you know it's not there's no unction there's no oil there is no (laughs) (laughs) no actually be a bit preferable if there was but anyway (laughs) yeah yeah there's no finesse there's no yeah I kind of think, I don't know what, because I always suspect that Will resents Ed because Ed is a continual cock-up and yet everybody loves him. He's very popular. He's got Emma. He's, you know, got children and everything. And I think William sits there seething, thinking, how, how has he done? Why am I? I'm the good one. And I am be I get punished for it all the time. I just you know life. But didn't he 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 didn't like it when Ed when they were little. No, he didn't like Ed. No, so there were phenomenal rows between the two. I reckon I yeah. put it down to potty training. I don't know what Clary did to them. <laughs> I'll not hear anything said against Clary. <laughs> Harriet's a huge Clary fan as well. Why do you like Clary so much? Ah <laughs> oh, well, uh, my friend Fiona Matheson played her. Right. Um, uh many many years ago so and i like clary she's stoic and still has humor and she's kind and she has an awful lot to put up with um and she just keeps going and tries her best and so i i love clary if you could um slivine attack as as uh, <laughs> Margaret Blaine, one member of the archers as they stand at the moment, the um the the, the characters at the moment, who would you exterminate? Brian Aldridge. <laughs> oh, that was brilliant! Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> oh, that was brilliant. And now we cross to Ambridge itself to hear what's going on on the therapist's couch. <laughs> Tracy Horribin today, Jeff. There's chocolate all over her form. At least I hope it's chocolate. Oh, hello, Mrs Horribin. Hiya. Do you do love and sex and that? I mean, not you personally. Although you don't look like you do, to be honest. Too clever, probably. Uh, well, I'll try and help you with whatever your problem is. It's a relationship thing. I'm in, well... I was in a relationship with a bloke who comes across as a real blokey bloke, but actually he's a proper softie. Right. But I'm older than him, a bit, and he's dumped me for someone younger. Oh, that's quite hurtful. 
it's not just that she's younger. I know her, and she's a right slapper. No stranger to the men's lose in the cricket pavilion, Jade. In fact, I think she's got her own reserved cubicle. No, the thing is, I need to know how to handle it without looking like I'm bothered. And are you? No, no, not at all. Well, a bit. But I don't want to show that I am, because I'm trying to model being a strong, independent woman for Chelsea, my daughter. I've read up about it, but the advice is so confusing. So, in Women Who Love Too Much, it says I should explain to him that I am now valuing myself more than him, and I'm at peace with his decision. In How To Be The Woman Your Man Loves To Love, it says I should tap into me inner cave woman and go and bang on his door in a basque. The woman in Taking Care Of Your You says I should cut all ties with him and not even respond if he says hello. And this American woman on YouTube with feather earrings says I should try being a lesbian for a bit. But I don't fancy that and I've not got the shoes. That is a lot of advice. No, So confusing. So what I want to know is, which one's right? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure I can answer that. Oh, I knew you'd say that. You all do, you lot. It's just like when I had to go and see the child psychologist about Bradley eating Prit stick. And she just kept saying, why do you think you're eating Prit stick, Bradley? And I was thinking, well, he don't know, does he? He's only 13. OK, at, at the risk of, of annoying you even more, what is your gut telling you to do? Stop eating pizza? Oh, I see. Um, just risk it. Take a chance. Tell him I like him. Okay. And the danger is there that he says, well, actually, Jade goes like the Philpisham flyer, so I'm not interested anymore. And then I have to be in the same village as him for years. Well, not necessarily. One of you might move. New job, new house, new partner, abroad even. That's a point. Actually, that reminds me. Say a woman married a bloke that was much older than her, who had a lot of money, and an hotel and that, and then he died, would the police automatically think she'd bumped him off? Er, it would depend on the circumstances, I should think. I mean, I've seen Midsummer Murders, and I don't want John Nettle sniffing around my bona fides. I'm not sure what we're talking about here, Tracy. Nice one. I like it. Confidentiality. Nothing was ever said. Thanks, Doc. Smashing. See you later. Oh, goodbye. Jeff, have you got any Tipex? I just want to take this appointment off the record sheet. So, that's that. There'll be another podcast up next week. Now we've got the hang of it. So subscribe to us on iTunes and you will never miss an episode. Woo! If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email ambridgeonthecouch at gmail.com. And... Uh, uh, I going to do it. What? I was going to do my voice. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yes, go on, go on, go on. That's ambridgeonthecouch at gmail.com. And I like the way it makes you laugh and you actually do it as a proper job. But anyway, um, I don't do it like that. <laughs> I heard Given you, half a chance, I would. I heard you doing this morning the other oh, day. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, I did. I love doing that. <laughs> Brightening up everyone's day <laughs> with Sky Mobile. <laughs> mobile. <laughs> now, yes, Mr. Newbie has a fan. 
Wow, he's got a fan. I know. <laughs> what, a person fan? A or... person fan <laughs> who is called... Is it because she... all those naked pictures he's been putting up? Probably, yes. <laughs> um, Debbie R, who said... This week's podcast, hilarious as always. Thank you, thank you. But there was a massive wow in it for moi. How damn sexy is newbie couch's voice? More of this, please. Wow. Mr. Newbie, I've got a rival in the voiceover industry. <laughs> no, but as I said, I haven't been on Twitter much at all this week. And then I went on, as you said, I went on to see Mr. Newbie today. I couldn't believe it. He's like a massive star. <laughs> 233 be, followers. And I'll be really annoyed. <laughs> yes, if he gets more followers than me, I'm going to be genuinely pissed off. <laughs> well, we'll tell him because he doesn't have to do different voices to no, get he the followers. All he has to do is post a photo of himself <laughs> chewing straw with his top off, and that seems to do it. So, I'm to have a deep voice. <laughs> Oh, well, that's exciting for Mr. Newbie. Well, it is exciting for Mr. Newbie. It's slightly irritating for the rest of us, but it's very exciting for Mr. <laughs> Newbie. So well done him. Yes. Well, there's no point tweeting us. You might as well just tweet Mr. Yeah, Newbie. Yeah, just skip us, basically. In fact, we just switch the name of the podcast to Mr. Newbie on the couch. In fact, Lucy, I think we should just change this podcast at your week in Ambridge, Mr. Newbie, and then bye-bye. <laughs> No, no, no. It'd be we a lost... lot less work for me. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do, if you can tear yourself away from Mr. Newbie and you do want to follow us, we are at On Ambridge on Twitter, or you can follow Mr. Newbie, like everyone else, on Twitter at Newbie Couch. And before we go, can I just give a recommendation for any, yes. for any homeschoolers out there? What they've got on the Monday slot instead of the... 2pm Archers, they've got a new series of homeschool history, which is really good, with Greg Jenner. You're not in it, are you? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, God, no. No, I'm not plugging myself. But it's genuinely, it's a, it's, uh, for me, it's the equivalent of a lesson, and they listen to it, and you learn loads. Ah. It's only 15 minutes. Do you know the it, You're Dead to Me podcast that Greg Jenner does? Yes. Yeah, it's really funny. It's basically that, but for kids. Well, it's that, wow. but without the swearing. Yeah, it's brilliant. Oh. And it's on, it's, a cle I th it's, it's clever because it's in the Archer's slot on Monday afternoons. Mm. So, in fact, even if you're not homeschooling, it's just, it's brilliant because you, it's, you know, when you listen to a slice of history, but you find out stuff you never knew before. Like, like this week was the Fire of London. And there was some good facts what I didn't know. It hardly mentioned Samuel Pepys for a, for a start, <laughs> which is a relief. <laughs> My entire history knowledge has been cobbled together by my sister, my children's primary history, because that was as far as I could get before I got confused. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because primary history is the really fun stuff. Yeah, and <laughs> well, you don't have to worry about. You don't have to worry about. Well, exactly. Before you have to worry about treaties and declarations. Yes, it's all about kings <laughs> and chopping heads off and. <laughs> It's bloodthirsty, yeah. beautiful, yes, <laughs> and a bit smelly, and, and stupid and that's facts what like Peeps burying his parmesan in the garden <laughs> and all that, which I just 
I loved the idea because I just thought it'd be like finding a lovely block of toasted halloumi in your garden. Can you imagine? I, I honestly, I really recommend you listen to the latest okay. homeschool history because it's stuff about how people actually store the rich people. No, because you know they had to chop them. Crumble the buildings next to the ones that were on fire to yes. stop the fire. But before, but to do that, they had to get permission from the rich people who, as Greg Jenner said, were just all asleep or drunk. So <laughs> they obviously needed to, to demolish the buildings ASAP, but they couldn't because they didn't have permission from the landlords. So I thought that was quite interesting. Wow. Hmm. Well, I will listen. There yeah. are massive gaps in my... It's like when you show somebody foreign around London... <laughs> And they say, <laughs> oh, God, is awful. What is that building? And there's only so long you can bullshit before you have to go, I don't know. <laughs> or they say, uh, can you take me to a traditional English pub? And you're like, <laughs> I don't know, which is Weatherspoons. I don't know any. I think you have to go to the country to find them. <laughs> or then they start telling you things that you ought to know. <laughs> oh, so that is where he was standing when he signed the do- and you go mm-hmm, yes yes well done you <laughs> mortifying by the way just to let you know lady mm-hmm. who's a big fan of um uh of mr newbie um debbie r he uh we've had we have to slow mr newbie's voice right down to make it deeper because he actually sounds like joker squally <laughs> so don't get too excited lady don't get too excited and those pictures are doctored. Yeah, <laughs> they're actually Harriet. <laughs> Goodbye from us and have a lovely week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 